Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Welcome, greetings, and our Ola, everyone. I am Spud Goodman. Russia, if you're listening. Thanks a bunch for tuning into our show. I owe you for this now, and, and if you want me to check out something of yours, you know, send me an email and, and I'll get right on it, okay? Now, I may have to assign our, our intern Chance to assist me in this. He's kind of smart, so he'll let me know about the good stuff. I used to have a personal assistant, Derek, but he left to do his own radio show. I, I heard he does it from his bedroom once a month and puts it up on either SoundCloud or someplace. I need to check it out, though, because... I hope he's not using my intellectual properties, like he better not open his show with greetings or end it with God bless and chow. I mean, those are trademarked, man. Uh, anyway. All right, I suppose I should now introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a decent chortle. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe not my best, but not too shabby. No, no, not too bad. Yeah. So now I need to acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb, uh, I'm in a pretty good mood, so I will allow you to respond in four and a half words. Uh, a big increase in your normal allowance of words. Good. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? And I, I do. I appreciate that, Spud. But, but I mean, what exactly is a half a word? Like, how do I enunciate half it's, of a it's, word? It's just an abbreviated whole word. Like, like, we don't have time for you to say more than, thanks, Spud. I am great. Uh, people will get that you cut off the full part. Oh. Okay, I can do that. I, I I like this. It's like a it's a strong, confident sound of just I am great. No, 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 not G R E A T. You're supposed great. to say G R A T E as in grateful. Oh, okay, all right. If you insist, I guess. Yes, I do. Okay, fine. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Spud. I am great. Oh, okay, but, you know, I really think you tried to manipulate that to sound like G-R-E-A-T, well, but was, wh whatever, let, let's just move on here. Because oh. I have to announce that this is a special broadcast for us. We have never attempted to do this before. This is going to be cool. Yeah, I don't understand how it's going to work, but, of course, I'm just the laugher on this show. Uh, I just thought it would be cool to maybe be the first radio show ever to broadcast in black and white. Now, now I, I know it's a subtle thing, and not yeah. everyone will realize that that's what we're doing. Hmm. Yes, but I, I don't understand this either. When you brought it up in the staff meeting, no one understood it. So what are you talking about? That, that's because the minds around me on this show are so, so stuck in a box, you know, filled with other people with no imagination. People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. All we're doing here is asking people to imagine. Is that so hard? Well, okay, okay. I think I get it now. 
That's the cool thing about radio. Hmm. No one can see anything, so they have to imagine what's going on here in the studio. Uh, for all they know, we're, we're doing this in an underground bunker somewhere, and we're all wearing matching purple jumpsuits with Sheila E. masks on. You know, <laughs> our job is to fill in the picture for them. And in, in, in this show, uh, I mean, so I guess there can't be any purple jumpsuits because it's a black and white picture. Excellent. Okay. All right. Uh, so I can be anyone I want to be. I mean, at least for this episode, well, like um, like a really successful businessman, possibly maybe on the board of Amway. Oh, no, no, that would be no. really satisfying as my wife and I were unfairly drummed out of that organization. I, I mean, yeah, we had a few slow months and we didn't make our sales. No, no, once, no, no. The Amway we angle is out of the question. They are not our friend. But, but, and, you, you know, I still do have a few cases of those horrible protein shakes. You oh, got me they're to buy, good. That's another topic. Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking... I could maybe be like a suave ex-spy that's contemplating going rogue and maybe putting out a, a bunch of those dossiers. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we really probably should keep this thing somewhat believable. <laughs> so you will still be the talent-lacking co-host taking up space. Oh. But, but well, Aunt Dorothy, though, you can be like, how about an ex-movie starlet who is slumming it on this little radio show? Oh, and, oh sure. Yeah, and, and I'll just be myself, but I will have at least four-pack abs Great hair and a better personality. But in black and well, white. Yeah, yeah. But right now, though, I need to bring on our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later on in the program, all right? Here is Mud on My Bra. is on the line and ready to go. Wow, you know, I'm not worthy to interview this legend of the entertainment it's business. It's true. He's a true comedy god. I mean, he was in that group of performers and writers who created the very model for comedy on television today, you know? Their creation, I'm sure everybody knows this, you know, the show, your show of shows, mm. uh, had a who's who of comedy working on it. There's Carl, you know, Sid Caesar, Mel Brooks, 
Neil Simon, among many others. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit nervous. Stop being weak. I remember your show of shows. It was really good. Uh, You know, I am not familiar with that program, but I do remember the Dick Van Dyke show. And I believe Carl was the producer on that, right? It was based on his life. Wow. I am impressed. This might be one of the first guests you actually know anything about. Uh, Well, you know, once in a while, I can surprise people. Yeah, if you say so. Just don't do it too often, as it'll mess with me stereotyping you as a a closed-minded Neanderthal. Just put Mr. Reiner through. Here he is. It's a high honor and extreme privilege to introduce a true legend in the entertainment industry. Say hello to actor, writer, director, and author Carl Reiner. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, You know, Carl, you have two new books out. Alive at 95, recalling movies I loved, and approaching 96, the films I love viewing and love doing on Random Content, Inc. You know, you're, you're one prolific author, as I was just about to read Carl Reiner, now you're 94. I need to pick up the pace of my reading. You know, geez, I got a lot of well, stuff. While I was doing those, I got to be 96. Super. <laughs> All right. Well, Carl, you're a comedy god to so many in showbiz. I mean, your touch has reached a ton of people over the years. Can, can we take a look back just for a sec on your work on Sid Caesar's show and your show of shows? Because uh, they kind of set the template for, you know, uh, for comedy and variety shows in the industry. So, um, yeah. But this bit, no, I, I was the second banana to the best banana that ever worked on in, in comedy. That was Sid Caesar. He set the tone for the kind of comedy that finally evolved on television. Right. Well, this is something I wanted to ask you. You know, I I interviewed a few of the Kids in the Hall comedy group over the years, and they all credited their name. Uh, This is an established fact that that Sid termed humor didn't work on a broad scale like it was too hip for the room. Uh, Do you remember, I was just curious, the worst Kid in the Hall violator? Is that writing staff remains clearly the most talented group in television history? Yeah, I think so. I I considered going... To work every day, my my college education in comedy, because in that room there was beside Sid, who was uh, he, he he sat in the in the chair in the middle of the room. There was one fellow sitting at the desk, or one person at the typewriter, and it was Lucille Callan originally, and then uh, Mike Stewart after that, and they had a lot of power because. Uh, when thro- jokes were thrown, they they need to put it down or not. And somebody would say, "I did you hear what I said? Is I heard what you said?" But it's not not worthy. And Sid was the real arbiter. He used to sit in a chair right opposite the desk, and he had an imaginary uh, 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 machine gun that every time a joke was not to his liking, he he picked up his machine his his machine gun and shot it out of the air. He made the sound of a gunshot shooting jokes out. I remember that so well. Was uh, was Neil Simon a member of the writing cast? Could you throw us? Oh some of the yeah, names? well, I was. I was about to give you the writing cast. Um, Mel Brooks was a, a a young writer who worked for Sid for a while because Max Lieben didn't like Mel because Mel used to come in late and make too much noise. He used to throw cigars at him. Sid paid, paid for him, and finally he got on the staff. It was, um, but on the staff from, from the time I was there, there was people like Joe Stein, who wrote Fiddler on the Roof, oh. and uh, he wrote Enter Laughing, the music, the, the 
uh, adapted my, my book into a into a uh, Broadway show. And then there was Larry Gelbart, who was wow. maybe the, the single funniest human being ever. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't need a straight line to get a joke. One word, and he can pop a joke after that. And Neil and his brother, uh, Danny Simon, and Neil was the uh, one who had the extraordinary sense of humor. But I, I call him a genius, uh, and he used the word honestly because genius is not only the quality but the quantity. And Doc O'Neill did like 32, as many as, as Shakespeare did plays. He did it even more than, and not 32, 300, 300 yes. various things. An unbelievable uh, body of work. And that, there was, and I said, oh, there was uh, uh, Joe Stein, oh, Tony Webster, who was a playwright. He wrote a play called God Almighty, which was one of the most interesting plays ever. And uh, let's see who else I'm forgetting. Oh, there were a couple writers whose names I don't mention because they really didn't contribute too much. They, they were tried and didn't, didn't work. But it was uh, Larry and, and Mel Brooks and uh, uh, were the main contributors, Gilbert. Okay, super. Well, um, you later created, wrote, and starred in a project titled Head of the Family based on your life. And everyone knows that, you know, they recast it later as a Dick Van Dyke show and it remains an all-time classic. But here's what I wanted to ask you. It, it was, I mean, it was still your show creatively, but was it tough stepping back a bit or was it actually a blessing? Uh, the, uh, was it tough what? Was it, I guess what I wanted to know was, was it tough stepping back a bit when they recast the, the project? No, no. What happened is that um, I was in Fire Island, and the, the, um, the review format was sort of disappearing, and I was being offered uh, situation comedies, and, and my wife, in her infinite wisdom, I turned them down. I said, he's not, they're not very good. And she said, why don't you write one? I said, I, I never written one. She says, try and so I wrote a thing called Head of the Family for myself. I, I played the, uh, Sherry, uh, Barbara Britton played my wife, uh, Sylvia Miles played the part that Rosemary played, mm-hmm. Morty Gundy played Maury Hampstead. And we did a pilot that um, I think Peter Lawford put up the money, and uh, it didn't work. It just didn't work. Uh, we, we did it uh, without an audience, with the use, of, use the laugh track, and it was... It, it wasn't very good. But while I was in Fire Island, I knew if I was going to act in it, I better have a couple of plays, uh, you know, screenplays, teleplays. And I wrote 13 teleplays. And so when I failed, I said, that's it. I'm not going to bother it. I started to write films, and I was working on a film when Sheldon Leonard, who was working with Danny Thomas at the time, was given these 13 episodes that my we had a mutual agent Harry Kalsheim, and Sheldon called me in, and he said, these are very good scripts, and I said, Sheldon, I'm sorry, but I don't want to fail twice with the same material, and he said, and this is a pretty good impression of him, you won't fail, or get a better actor to play you, and he got, he suggested Dick Van Dyke, and uh, the rest, as you might imagine, is history. Yes, yes, wow, that's a great story, um, uh, uh, Spud, Spud, 
Yeah. Have you ever wondered how successful the Spud Goodman show would have been if they had chosen someone else too? I mean, besides you to play yourself? I mean, who knows how big the show would be right now? Uh, Carl, just one moment. Okay. What? He, he's got a point. This show could actually be pretty popular with a more likable host. Yeah. I say that with love, Spud, you know, as even when you were a little baby, you just weren't that likable. First of all, I am kind of likable. And secondly, there's uh, no one on earth who could pull it off besides me. Okay. Well, not even say someone like more witty and attractive. Uh, maybe one of those millennials, as I've read that they're about to be the dominating force in show business soon. No, not even a millennial, okay? Now let me get back to Carl, if you both don't mind. Sure, don't mind me. Okay, I've returned. We lost each other. Well, you later uh, dived into directing films such as Where's Papa, Oh God, and The Jerk, which uh, clearly remains one of the great comedies ever made. You co-wrote it with Steve Martin, correct? Yes, and uh, Michael Eyes. There are a couple names on it. Uh, but Steve is the one who came up with it. It was part of his act. His act, his act started with, I was born a poor black child. <laughs> he did it for years until he, he put it into words and made a movie of it. It was his first movie. He had never acted with people before. So this is first. He was, you know, in one all for, he, for years. And he, but boy, did he learn fast. He was probably the most talented man ever. Two of the most talented people I ever worked with were Steve and uh, Dick Van Dyke. And Steve, as a matter of fact, called one day. He said, you know, the most talented human being in our business is Dick Van Dyke. I told Dick he couldn't believe it. Wow. But he, Steve really meant it. Super. Well, um, I, oh, I, I kind of forgot uh, bringing up your co-starring role in the 1966 movie The Russians Are Coming The Russians Are Coming you know you could do a remake now as they actually did arrive I mean they're kind of here as I'm speaking advising our current president you know yeah well you know it's funny I had never been offered a uh, leading role and I, when uh, I was into uh, doing other things at the time and and uh, Norman Jewison came to my house and offered me the part of the, the Russian, uh, the part that Alan Arkin mm-hmm. ultimately played. And I said, you know, I used to do this double talk Russian with Sid. I, it's something that does interest me. He came back a week later and said, how would you like to play the, the, the lead? And I really said, wow, I never had a lead in a movie. So it was my first lead. Well, you know, I follow you on Twitter, and I have to say this, you're on fire right now with your commentary about what's going on in our country. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suggest everyone check your Twitter account out. I, I would say that for sure. Oh, by the way, I, I put out a book called uh, uh, the, the Downing of Trump. I tweeted every night about Trump and, and how, what a horror he is for our country. And I invited all my fellow people who feel the same way as to send me their tweets. And we put a book out together. We co, 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 co co-write a book so there are 400 of us and i i give them the book is out it's called the downing of trump and in it i didn't know how very talented some of these people were as artists the work the artwork in the book is sensational as a matter of fact the cover is one of the artists made it i gotta use that on the cover it's it's loaded with stuff super where can uh, can people find it oh it's a random 
content. Uh, Random Content Inc.? Okay. Well, um, you know, I ask most of my guess what their most memorable moment was it makes a good last question but in your case with the life you've led and your legendary career it'd be impossible after like 10 hours could, could you toss out maybe uh, a least memorable moment like a disappointing moment like in show business that's something you wish would have gone the other way or looking back at it or you know no as a matter of fact i uh, if i leave today if this if this phone that's in my hand explodes and i leave today I have done everything I wanted to do, and I've had a wonderful, wonderful career. There's a few missteps along the way, but not many, including the the best step I ever took was marrying a girl named Estelle Lebos, who uh, was eight years older than me. I was 20 when I married, and she was 28, uh -huh. and we spent 65 years together, and she honed me. She was she knew everything about everything. She was an artist, a singer. She was an extraordinary human being. And I, 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 I thank her for helping me become who I became. Well, you, you, all, you, you too had some very talented children too. I want to oh, throw I, that out. That's one of the things I, before I go to bed every night, I think about that. Yeah. Um, there were three, three children. Rob, who was, you know, a, a, a filmmaker of renown. Yes. He's, making, he's made some of the best films that ever were made and as a matter of fact I, I say that they're among them is if you ever a little low and want to be picked up just put on the Princess Bride and you'll smile for the rest of the day yes. but he's got a bunch of those and he's got and he's not hasn't stopped he has a couple coming out now one called Shock and Awe that's brilliant and in it he performs then I have my daughter Annie who Dr. Annie Reiner she's a psychoanalyst and she has the voice of her mother has she sings like her mother jazz and I, I love introducing her I said ladies and gentlemen inarguably the world's greatest singing psychoanalyst <laughs> I, I get it and then of course the youngest Lucas Reiner who when he was five and six years old his mother used to paint a lot and have an easel she put an easel next to her as a little child's easel and Lucas grew up to be a renowned artist. As a matter of fact, he's in the ex next room just now. He, he's come, came back from Germany where he's having exhibitions. All right. Well, very, I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, well all right then. Um, I just want to say this has been uh, really, really, really special for me personally and professionally to, to have you know, the opportunity to spend you know, a few moments with you. Uh, I just want to thank you. Well, I thank you for allowing me to vent. No, no, it's been more than venting. Uh, yeah. So there you have it. The great Mr. Carl Reiner. <laughs> the excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. We share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud, too. <laughs> it is what it is, man. The Spud Goodman show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. Goodman. 
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. You, you know, Spud, uh-huh. I, was, I was given more thought to this concept of radio being a theater of the mind. You know, if we took down our Facebook page and website, no one would have a clue what we look like. So there'd be no preconceived notions of us at all. Like, for instance, when people do see a picture or a video of you, they instantly feel a negative vibe. Look, alternative facts are not facts. That could be overcome if we basically delete all of our visual presence and just go with the audio form of our radio show. There's something I didn't think about with this. What about the people who already know what we look like? In color or black Mm, and white, mm -hmm. I'll always have terrible hair and a gut overhang. I mean, we would have to run off or repulse all the listeners who used to watch my old cable TV show or have seen videos of us, you know, on YouTube or our current stuff on social media. Yeah. I, I don't know that we can pull this off. Hell no, you can't! How do we purge all those people? Well, I don't think that is necessary. Many in show business have reinvented themselves without erasing their prior fan base. Spud, yeah, yes, Spud, you could still retain a few dozen fans who've been with you over the years while attempting to try a new Spud Goodman. Well, you, you know, I know a ton of you know actors and actresses have gone away for a bit and returned with you know like brand new lips or a tightened up face uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah and it was never a happy ending all right mr demille i'm ready for my close up i mean looking like your actual age is is way better than having lips that resemble like a halfway inflated inner tube or or cheekbones stretched tighter than a guitar string please see sylvester stallone i mean but, but i keep forgetting though through the wonders of radio um i mean i Hmm. You know, if 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 we were able to like maybe purge our old fans, um, I wouldn't really have to get a hair transplant or work out for even two pack abs. Right. And we could just put out pics of actual good looking people as us. And all we'd have to do is just go underground and allow no current pictures. It's, it's sounding kind of enticing, oh, actually. Oh, if I were you, Spud, I wouldn't make the new Spud Goodman look too attractive, as it could really create issues. You have no experience with being viewed as handsome or sexy, so I would go slow with this. Um, you know, uh, this could cause you to go totally off the rails. Too late, y'all. Uh, you know, I know my wife, Rachel, would love me to spice up my wardrobe. I, I myself would not be comfortable wearing some trendy suit from, say, that uh, men's warehouse deal. So yeah. th- if there is going to be some new alternative Gerald Holcomb, l- let's just try and make sure he still has my distinguished traditional look that has served me well. I'm thinking, I'm, you suck! I'm thinking you need to do a total teardown on the current Gerald Holcomb. That's just my opinion. Uh, I mean, where, where's your current look got you? <laughs> well, since you ask, I am again this quarter the second leading salesman at my other place of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Our, our customers seem to like the current Gerald Holcomb. Really? Just fine. Very fine, actually. Uh, you did sneak in that free store jingle again, <laughs> uh, so there will be repercussions for that act of defiance later. <laughs> All right, well, right now, why don't we try and get some feedback from our listeners about making this move? And I, I mean, I need to hear from them. Tell Chance, the intern, uh, to get them to play the call-in plug. 
why don't you tell them yourself? Dave, our audio guy, is sitting right here. Well, I asked you. Dave, can you play that plug? Attention Attention listeners! listeners. Get on the phone and call the Spudline! 253-242-3054! Call the Spudline! Call it! Thank you. Okay, now let's let's get back on topic now. Okay. Uh, whether we're broadcasting in black and white or color, we still have a big gap in this show here if our next guest is not ready to go, so please check and see. Oh. Uh yeah, and I'm I'm being told by the board spud, your next guest, Gillian Jacobs, is holding for you now. All right, I, you know, I have to say I really liked her Netflix series, uh, Love with Paul Rust. It was great. Too, too bad it got canceled, though. Well, that's something you know a thing or two about. Everything bad that can happen to a person has happened to me. Yeah, you know, every time I read about a show getting a boot, I feel a tinge of personal sadness. Oh. It hurts a lot to get, you know, that call saying your show is toast. But at least now she, she does have a new movie on Netflix, and that's what she's, you know, out trying to promote. You know, my family does not have Netflix, so I won't be able to catch it. What's it about? Is it a like a Western or a murder mystery? Hey, 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 you shut your face! I'll let Gillian fill in the listeners, okay? But, but you know, we should probably try to do one of those crowdfunding things to get Netflix in your home, at least for your kids, mm. before someone reports you for child neglect? I know my kids want it, but I feel it could damage their minds. You dick! Well, maybe I'll report you. Just think about that. Uh, just put Gillian through. Uh, here she is. Say hello to actress Gillian Jacobs. Thanks much for checking in with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I'm a fan, you know, and I followed your work over the years. I'm really bummed that the Netflix series Love You Start In with Paul Russ is not coming back for another season. It was great, you know? Oh, thank you for watching. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I haven't did not miss an episode. Uh, people need to still check it out. It's available. So, but let's talk about your new movie uh, now out on Netflix, Abiza. That uh, you know everybody needs yes, to go correct. watch. It's uh, yeah. Um, so give us the basics. I, I take it this one wasn't shot in Vancouver or Toronto, right? You actually left North America. I did leave North America. Yes, we shot it in Europe. Um, yeah, my character goes on a work trip to Spain with her two friends, played by Vanessa Bayer and Phoebe Robinson, and they wind up having a wild adventure, and uh, she sees a DJ at a club, played by Richard Madden, that she immediately falls for and sort of follows him around Spain, and it's a great comedy about friendship and love and all that good stuff. You know, I had kind of liked to visit Ibiza because I heard the weather's nice, and like they hand out free complimentary cocoa butter on the beach. They got malls over there too, right? I've never been. We didn't get to shoot the movie there, so I don't know. Well, I, from what I understand, it's pretty cool on the beach. That's all I know, but all right. Um, so you, I'll take it. You, 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 you did shoot it in Europe, though. Was it? How was that experience? Was it, was it, was it a wild or was it pretty sedate? Well, when you're working very hard on a movie, it doesn't get too wild. Uh, you're just doing long hours and trying to do a good job. But I still had a lot of fun. It was great to be in a different part of the world and experience new things. So I can't complain. I had a wonderful time. Super. Um, hey, did you pick up a vibe over there that we Americans are, are now the weird, crazy guy in the neighborhood that throws tantrums and yells at people? Or, or did people, were people cool to you? 
Uh, people are close to me, and if they felt that way, they were too polite to say so. So I don't know. All right. I think you get the gist where I'm going on, but anyway, I'll, I'll move on here. Um, uh, Spud, yeah. that, that insinuation that people around the world don't like America because of President Trump is not accurate. He is a beloved figure in all countries. Hey, Gillian, I, I need a second here. Yeah, Mexico, not so much. Canada and Justin Trudeau, well, after those tariffs, I don't think so. Germany, uh-uh. And even his former BFF, Macron, in France, is pissed at him now. And do you want me to go over all those countries that he called holes? I don't think they're real fond of them either. Well, maybe Norway digs him, but I don't even know that for sure. Oh, this will pass. People around the world will love America again. Our country just needs a reboot. Well, that's going to have to wait until at least 2024. It's what? time that both of you got on the Trump train, as he's going to be around for a while. No collusion. And, and don't forget, Donald Jr. is waiting in the wings, should his dad step aside at the end of his two terms. Oh, brother. Um, he has to, dude. Uh, it's in writing. But for the time being, though, I'm not taking any chances and traveling anywhere. You know, while he's still in office, I don't oh. want some kid in Spain or Brazil to lob water balloons at me if, if I'm wearing my 1992 USA Dream Team jersey. Well, if any kid from another country threw anything at me, I would throw something back. You always were a bad man, Dorothy. Yes. I better get back to Gillian. Okay, I've returned. All right. You know, you have a long background in the theater. Uh, how do you creatively refill your tank in film and TV with, with no audience feedback, really? Is it an adjustment? I mean, it's a different sort of, yeah. You, you hope that you have, like, good creative collaborations with your directors and writers, and that sort of becomes that. But, yeah, I, I went back and did a play um, in New York for the first time in a long time earlier this year, so that was really fun, and I got to have that experience again. Huh. What was what was the play? It was called Kings, and it was at the Public Theater in New York City, and I had a wonderful time. Oh, super. Okay. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, this radio show that we're doing for this episode only is broadcasting in black and white. I, I, we thought we'd, it'd be a first, you know, since we're never really first in anything. It sounds like a good idea. Have you ever been in a black and white movie? I don't think I have. Well, let me think. I don't No, I don't think so. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, I, I know color's all the rage, but we just thought, hey, anyway, I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> um, um, your work on Community was, was top-notch, as, as it was a really, really good show. I mean, the cast was, was beyond impressive. Do you guys still stay in touch? Yeah, I'm in touch with everyone from that cast, so I'm very lucky that I got to work with so many incredible people. Okay, um... Do you think there's any chance there would be like a one-off, like a reunion special? Because it would be so cool to see where the characters would be at. I mean, it's just a suggestion to Netflix or whoever. I would be down for that. You probably got to get Dan Harmon to write it. So if you can manage to do that, then I'm all in. Yeah, he's kind of a genius, isn't he? That's what I've, what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, he's an incredibly talented writer, but I think he's pretty busy with Rick and Morty these days. So I don't know if we're going to get him to do it. Yeah, yeah good show, by the way. Yeah. Um, Gillian, you, yeah. you uh, directed the documentary The The Queen of Code uh, about Rear Admiral Grace Hopper. Uh, what attracted you to that project, and can people find it somewhere? As it sounds really interesting. 
Yeah, it's on 538.com. Um, so, yes, you can go watch it. Just, you know, go to 538.com and type in the Queen of Code. I was assigned that as a director, and I had an incredible experience because I didn't know anything about Grace Hopper or women who worked in computing. You know, she started working on computers during World War II. So I learned so much through working on that project and was really so blown away by all of her accomplishments. So, yeah, I, I'm really proud of that. What's the, where's it at again? So people, I'll write that down. 538.com. All right, super. I'm going to check it out. All right. Um, okay, well, you know, I'm sure you got stuff to do. So I'm going to end this thing by asking you, what was your all-time favorite line from a Shakespeare monologue? Because I read you were really pretty darn good at this growing up. <laughs> oh, gosh. My favorite line from a Shakespeare monologue. Speak the speech I pray you as I pronounce it to you trippingly on the tongue. That's the first one that comes to mind. That's from Hamlet. <laughs> I don't well, know if it's my favorite. Super. I, I guess that Shakespeare dude could really turn a phrase because he, he wrote a lot of plays, right? That's I've heard that. but um, Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you done uh, any, like, real law, like, like uh, uh, any plays, like, full plays of Shakespeare? Uh, yes, I have. In college and growing up as a kid, I was in Shakespeare plays a lot. Oh, super. The, uh, the only downside I heard is there's just a lot of lines to learn, right? I guess it depends on your part, but um, if you're like Lady Macbeth. Yeah, I know. If you're lucky enough to have a lot of lines. <laughs> All right, super. Okay, well, let me remind everyone listening uh, to check out your new movie, Abiza, now available for streaming on Netflix. Uh, one of my favorite places, by the way, to kill hours, days, and weeks. So um, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on our show. Thank you. All right, there you have it, Miss Gillian Jacobs. Spud goodness to Anulo. Spud goodness to Anulo. Spud. For a genuine musical treat. Tune in to the, the Spud Goodman Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. Okay, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome Mud on My Bra. Please introduce yourselves and your instrument of choice. Hi, um, I'm Aria. I play guitar and I sing for the band. And I'm Myla. I play drums and bash percussion stuff. Super. Drums, mostly. Super. Well, you have a new EP out titled Spanaway, and people can find it at bandcamp.com. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, it's at our labels bandcamp. Also, it's at Dentapes. So, bandcamp.dentapes. All right, super. Right. Okay. Well, a as you probably know by now, we're broadcasting this radio show in black and white. Um, yeah, I still don't know if it's going to impact the audio but i don't i don't think so i believe we're still going on in hi-fi i have to double check that though chance check that out okay um so let me ask you a, a real uh, kind of a cliche question but i, I I'll, I'll go there anyway who are the major musical influences for the band uh well we're kind of like all over the place of like the popular music spectrum like i myself i grew up on post-punk i grew up on uh, mid-80s, The Cure, and Susie and the Banshees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Ramones. And then I oh, discovered yes. rock and roll kind of like more punk like later after I graduated from high school and stuff like that. Mm, all right, all right. Um, 
Let me ask you something deeper. What's the band's official position on low-fat products? I say low-fat is low-taste. What say you? Um, low-fat's not always bad. I mean, low-fat, low get... low-taste, that's what I say. Yeah. All right. Well, I, well never sugar-free because... Well said. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and who I, wants I, frosting I, with, without sugar? <laughs> I have to have gluten also because I have never cared for the flavor of non-gluten food. You have that's for the record, all right. Tolerance, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's let's go. Let's try this. The year's 2021. Um, what do you think the band will be up to? Oh well, hopefully we'll be alive. And, yeah, yeah, be alive. alive. That's a good. That's a good goal. What alive. else besides that? Uh, we'd like to be kind of. Uh, well, we're just going to keep going until as far as we can go. So. Just, yeah. Yeah. Basically, just uh, we we started this band just going town to town and playing our music. Uh, lo-fi punk rock style and we'll probably be doing the same but maybe a little more polished by then i don't know all right super well i myself I i'm going to be retired for sure at that time I'll, I'll just be consuming maybe 16 to 18 hours you know every day of netflix and you know because my here's my goal i mean someday i'm going to be able to say that i watched every single freaking show program whatever they have on their site you know it, it, it's Probably going to kill me as my vital organs are going to shut down, but, but well, what better way to go out? You know, that's what I'm saying. Spudgy, what do you think, Gerald? I, I don't have Netflix. Yeah, I know that. Um, we'll talk about that after the show again. All right. Um, so what's the name of the next song, and what's it about? Uh, the next song is called Sticky Note, and uh, it's actually a ukulele song oh, that yeah. I wrote on ukulele. Oh, very cool. Let's do it. The note by your coffee cup The moment my heart woke up Caffeine must have made me crazy I must have lost my mind One thousand words I could write to you I simplified to the dream I was true And with my heart beat pulsing wildly I left the note you'll find
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, everybody. This is Dick Dale, king of the surf guitar, or king of the surf rock guitar, or king of heavy metal, <laughs> as many say. You're listening to the Spud Goodman Show, and what a great guy he is. But you know what's funny? When I was in the Air Force and they were punishing me, they used to make me peel a hundred spuds. <laughs> hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Well, the show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is holding on the line. Well, put him on. Oh, do you want me to do his plug? Duh. Uh, all right. Uh, Ted Marr can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. All right, thanks for calling in, Ted. There's someone I wanted you to check in on with your super psychic powers. Some of my younger listeners may not remember him, but if they have any love for the game of basketball, they should. I'm referring to the late Wilt Chamberlain. He was the most amazing athlete ever. Do you remember him? Oh, I sure do. Amazing fellow. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I bet at least one of those 100,000 women he had, uh, I don't know, relations with uh, could be listening right now, too. So anyway, what I was wondering was if guys like Wilt, you know, Pete Maravich, Moses Malone and other greats are still able to play at least some half court three on three in the afterlife or, or whatever there is, uh, you know, when you when you die. Can you still enjoy some of the things you enjoy doing here while alive? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, actually, on my radio show um, a couple of weeks ago, a psychic brought in um, Bach, Johann, Johann Sebastian Bach, and huh. he's still playing uh, playing the piano and music since the 17th century. Wow! Did did he? Yeah. Uh, did he? He didn't sing or anything, you know. Like you know, I don't know. Did he do anything different, or is it just still the same old sound from way back? old sounds from three or four hundred years ago. He didn't like his auto tune uh, or anything, and didn't because even if you have a crappy voice, it really didn't. I, I was just curious because I was wondering if the guys in that era would use today's technology, you know, if, if while doing stuff now. But that's yeah, that's probably a dumb question. Anyway, never. Well, well, actually, they keep practicing on the other side, and they get better and better. The Beatles are together on the other side, and they play all the time. I'm told. Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned that yeah. to me before. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. getting back to the sports thing, do you, do, you, do you think, like, the sports commingle in the afterlife? Like, is, say, Johnny Unitas hanging out with, say, Roberto Clemente, or, you know, may, you know maybe they're playing some wiffle ball somewhere. I mean, you know what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah, they do. They oh, do, actually. Cool. They all hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that makes dying a, a little less of a drag is maybe being able to spend time with sports heroes you grew up with, you know, watching. Like, I would love to play horse against Metalark Lemon or take a few swings against Babe Ruth on the mound or like, you know, even bowl a few games against Earl Anthony. How cool would that be? So it's, 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 it's possibly being dead just maybe more fun than being alive? Well, there's no bills. Um, I mean, there's different. It's different. They don't have. Um, you don't have to pay your phone bill every month for one thing, or your rent. Well, that's um, that's awesome. all provided free on the other side. Yeah. Um, and there are certain advantages. Um, you gain access to what's called universal truth, Spud, where um, you you get all your questions answered you ever ever wondered about on the other side because you get access to what's called universal consciousness, and and it's a um, all the questions you ever wanted to ask you get to ask, and you get the answers too. Wow. 
Well, so I guess the bottom line, what I'm kind of getting at here is if you could tell my listeners that, you know, if it's true, that, that dying has some real upside as most of us are not looking forward to it. <laughs> well, well, dying is not the sort of thing that, that I'm looking forward to either. But okay. it's um, but one thing you have to remember is that when you it's like when you pass over, even the term Passover is that. You're, you're, we're souls inhabiting a human body to learn lessons here on, on Earth. It's like an Earth school. And uh, when you pass over, you're still alive very much. You're very much still alive, but you move on to another dimension, typically the, the fifth dimension, huh. um, when, you, when you pass over. So you may lose your physical body, but your soul is still, pretty, it's still alive. And, and um, my clients, um, I put them in touch with, with people and loved ones who passed on, and it's, it's so comforting for them to be able to talk to their mom or dad or grandpa or, or a grandmother or a friends or, or family. Or a dog. Or a dog, yeah. Or a dog or yeah. a cat, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Spud, what? Well, heaven is where I will call home for eternity and I will be reunited with all of the important people from my life. Now, I don't believe dogs or cats will be allowed in as I assume it's going to be very crowded. Hey, Ted, uh, give me a brief second here. Okay, that's all right. If I'm going to be in some kind of afterlife, then I better be with all the pets I've had over the years, as they were a lot nicer to me than people. Well, you will always have the memories of your pets, but don't be too disappointed when you arrive at, uh, well, where you will be. Maybe heaven, but... Yeah, probably an alternative site, I'm guessing. But listen, I don't know if animals are allowed in hell. Maybe like grizzly bears who attacked people, or uh, rattlesnakes who bit someone, maybe them. In the defense of bears, they only attack people who are invading their turf. You don't hear of bears attacking people at malls or at airports, do you? All right, and and, and as, as far as snakes go, I'm not really fond of them, but they deserve to be left alone too. I, I, I gotta get back to Ted, if you don't mind. Hey, man, I'm back. Okay. You know, if it turns out, though, when I do die and find myself alone in the dirt for eternity, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I know I won't be able to, like, file a formal complaint, but it's going to suck. So I would much rather spend time with my sports heroes having fun. So right. let's hope, you know, that this death thing has has a happy ending. Um, that's my hope and and I guess I might even pray for that. So I'm not good at praying, but I, I might I might give it a shot. So, yeah, I hope you're right, Ted. Well, I, I, I from all my from from my years of psychic work, I, I believe me, they tell me all the same thing that um, you it will be it's it's very it can be very enjoyable on the other side. Believe me. All right. All right, Doc, I'm going to quote you on that. Well, thanks again for calling into our show. As always, I mean, you're the best. What can I say? Well, thank you, Spike. You're so kind. Anytime, anytime you want me to call in, just, just, just let me know. Well, of course we will. So there you have it, our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. You deserve to know this. We must not be afraid to define our enemy. It is the Spud Show. You know who you are! Super. And we're coming to get you! My, how time flies! Uh, Spud. 
Yes. Uh, we actually do have a caller on the line, I'm told. Uh, I was told he has an opinion on what we're discussing here. Uh, do you want to take the call now? Um, what's my alternative? I suppose well, you could fill the next four or five minutes by reading one of your kids' book reports or oh, something. Hell well, yes! Put the damn call through! All right, all right. Here he is. Uh, it, hey, it's... What? This is Bud? Yeah? Uh, so, okay, I got a mellow out here. What's your take on, on what we're, we're doing, you know? How's our black and white show going? Is it working for you? Uh... Yeah, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I'm here at home doing laundry with my earbuds on. I could give a shit about pretending your radio show's broadcasting in black and white. That sounds dumber than that new pro football league that's starting up. Hey, uh, that league is way dumber than our black and white broadcast. Ooh, yeah. At Caller, can I ask if you feel there's a need for a makeover on this show? I sure don't, as change for the sake of change is just never a good idea. Well, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the show. Hmm. I listen occasionally when I read on Facebook or Instagram that you have a decent guest on, but, you know, if you can pretend you're broadcasting in an IMAX theater and it wouldn't make any difference, all people care about in a radio show, if it's interesting, is it interesting? And then you're No, let's, let's, you let's, know, let's not let reality into this conversation. You know, why don't we just assume our show is interesting, okay? What what other element would make it more enticing to listen to? How, how about a sexy co-host? That seems to work really well with those morning zoo shows. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. <laughs> Again, who cares what someone looks like on a radio show? Right? Caller, I have been saying this at our staff meetings, well, since I've been here. Who needs sexy when you can have professional competence. Oh, well, I say having a total hunk, like, say, uh, you know, a Tom Selleck type. Uh, uh, well, it couldn't hurt the ratings. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Uh, so, Caller, what I hear you saying is this, this radio theater concept doesn't work for you, huh? Well, well, maybe your mind is somewhat damaged and incapable of imagining stuff. Did, did you ever, like, believe in Santa or the Easter Bunny as a little kid? No, I was a moron as a kid. I always knew Santa was a total scam. I didn't get for Christmas, and we weren't even poor. My parents were libertarians, and we felt Christmas just encouraged dependence on the generosity of others. On okay. Easter, you know, maybe I got a colored egg or two, and I had to boil them and do the coloring myself. Wow. With my parents, holidays were a time for personal responsibility. That is messed up, yo. Man, getting getting presents on, on Christmas is covered in the Constitution. It, it's either in that pursuit of happiness thingy or one of those unalienable rights. Oh, Spud, you were so fortunate to have parents who spoiled you so much on Christmas. Yeah, I know. I, I remember know. no one could walk in the living room with all of your presents wrapped up under the tree. Uh, you, you know, I, I really hope you've reconciled with your parents, Caller. No, no, not really. I mean, they're retired now, and they recently asked if they could stay with me after they sold their house, but I had to remind them, self-reliance, you know, that's important. And regretfully, I had to say no, they couldn't stay with me. Yes! Okay, well, anyway, I, I gotta let you go, caller. No, 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 no. Let me let you go. No, I will let you go first. Too late. Caller? Ca caller, are you there? 
Did he hang up on me? Yeah, you know what? I believe he did let you go first. I, I'll, I'll double check with Chance the intern. Ch- hang up on you, Spud. What? Being so old, you really need to be more on your toes, as younger callers are going to be quicker than you. And I'm probably not going to like you, no matter how many pull-ups or push-ups you do. Damn. I know you prefer to have the last word in conversations, but I wouldn't let this guy get to you. Spud, that caller has led a tough life. Maybe, yeah. but I'm going to try to let it go, okay? All right. But right now, I need to close the show. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Mud on My Bra. Hey, Myla. Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Trevor Jastad, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director TJ Pites. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2018 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.